very welcome along. It's the gardening programme here on Midwest Radio on this Saturday morning. I know election counting going on, but as Teresa said, box is only open to Porrick, so lots of time for us to talk about back gardening. To, back to more important things. Is that what you're going to say? <laughs> more important things, yes, in Porrick's world anyway. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, how are you this morning? Good, I'm great. I'm, yeah. uh, the weather forecast, I think, it sums it up. It's going to be dry over the next uh, couple of days and into Monday and Tuesday, so that's good. A little bit of rain, but but overall it's going to be nice dry weather. So yeah, because we've had a fair share of it now all We've week. had a good bit yeah. of, of, uh, of uh, certainly cooler temperatures and, and wetter conditions. Now, having said that, it's really good planting conditions. I mean, soil conditions are nice and moist. So, you know, particularly for, I know we had a lot of questions last week pertaining to hedges and uh, certainly the planting of hedges could continue now, the planting of trees, shrubs. So the planting, the soil conditions are really good in terms of planting. Uh, so that's uh, certainly, um, you know, the conditions are ideal. And with the dry weather now over the next couple of days, it, it perfect conditions for getting plants out back out into the garden. Yeah, you can really you can really see the growth all right, I have yeah. to say, definitely yeah. uh, coming on. Now, lots going on. I know it's a count weekend and all the rest of it, but that aside, there's lots of other things happening. Fela Nathuya is taking Fela place. Nathuya. Yeah, it starts, it's back again um, in in the Turlock Museum starting 12 o'clock today and again tomorrow from 12 to 5. And incidentally, uh, just to let listeners know, I'm sure people will have heard the promos already, but uh, in just under an hour's time, Michael Neary is live from, uh, from Turlock. Yeah, That's absolutely, great. right through until one o'clock here in Midwest. But I popped in yesterday evening on the way home just for a sneak preview and, and I noticed in particular the... Um, the beekeeping club, the Westport Beekeeping Club, Dermot and, and the guys have a fantastic display. And he was telling me that they've pulled together the Ballyhonas Beekeeping Club, the Bally, Ballina, Connemara and the Westport have all come together, uh, swarmed together, I think is the word. Boom, boom. But, so uh, <laughs> they've come together to put a, a fantastic display of um, traditional hives, a whole range of different beehives. They've got two fantastic observation hives. And that's where you've got the live bees, thousands and thousands of bees contained in a special hive with glass. So people can, you can look in safely, but obviously uh, see what's going on. You can see the queen, you can see the cells, you can see the honey being being produced, uh, you can see the pollen, the nectar, all being produced in safety. Yeah, so, yeah, so you don't have to be putting on gear or anything like not that. Not at all, no, no. And, and you know, feel free to come along to the to the uh, stand because it's totally safe. There'll be no bees flying around as such, but you will see them in the observation hive and you can see the actual, all the workings of the of the bees, which is very, very interesting. Sounds fascinating. But he's got a whole range of uh, hives there. They're going to also be... Sh- Talk, talking to people about the process of extracting honey. So how do how do we actually take honey from the hive and produce it into that fantastic uh, liquid um, in the jar? So he's going to bring people through that process. And also they're going to be showing people how to make up hives, how to make up frames and all the workings, I suppose, of uh, a beehive. So anybody interested in bees or interested in maybe thinking about getting into bees and what, what, what the steps mm-hmm. are and what does it take, there'll be lots of beekeepers uh, available on the day. So that's, and it's just right at the glass house. So it's very um, convenient as you're coming into the museum. It's just there on the left-hand side of the, the glass house. I hope to be there as well in the afternoon. I'm going to bring along some bee-friendly plants. So the sort of plants that people are, the uh, sort of plants that people should put in their garden to attract bees into the garden. So high nectar, high pollen plants. And I'll be featuring those and talking about those. So again, drop into the the uh, the Westport Bee uh, demonstration um, just as you're coming into the museum on the left hand side beside the beside the uh, greenhouse the old Turner greenhouse excellent the other thing that's on this week next weekend in particular from Thursday from the 29th um, the Bloom Festival starts again in the Phoenix Park 
Fantastic. And uh, I've uh, agreed to do a, a live link with Tommy. So I'm there actually on the Wednesday. I get in I get in the day before, which is great. So I get in on the press day. There's nobody there but myself. And I'm, I'm there actually with TV3. We're going to record great a programme and that's going to be broadcast on the Friday morning. But I'm also going to do a live link back to studio here uh, sometime between 10 and 11 from Bloom. So I'll be talking you through all the... the there's 30 gardens this year. I'm going to pick out kind of three or four that, are, 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 that catch my eye. Already, I believe, they have uh, Mrs. Brown's boys have a garden oh, there. Oh, do they? Yeah. Oh, that should be <laughs> fun. That would be interesting. <laughs> uh, Tato Park, Mr. Tato has a, a, a Gar- new garden this year. Um, so there's lots of, the, generally, the, the Crumlin Hospital have a fantastic garden. I'm going to be featuring that one in particular with TV3. But there's lots of very interesting, very quirky gardens mm. this year, uh, just from what I've read and what I've looked at. Um, so I'm going to, so tune in on Wednesday morning on Tommy Marin's show from 10 to 11 I'll do a slot and tell you exactly what's at Bloom and it starts then on the Thursday and runs right through to the following Monday and I've also organised some tickets for Tommy to give away on Excellent. his programme on Monday and Tuesday okay. so some free tickets into Bloom uh, so do tune in on, on Monday and Tuesday and Tommy will have a competition for Bloom tickets so that's all happening next week so a busy week a busy week yeah and I, I Chelsea had been on as well this week so I caught a little bit of that oh yeah very interesting very interesting yeah um, some amazing gardens anything catch your eye um, yeah, I, well, I noticed the ones I've seen anyway that, you know, sometimes Chelsea Gardens can be just uh, a little, perhaps, dare I say it, OTT, yeah, you know, where they're that, yeah. completely unrealistic or yeah. not. And I suppose that's part of the art of the whole thing. But I did notice, I felt the ones this year that we did see um, were a little more, um, shall we say, realistic or, Doable. you know. They, yeah, <laughs> you just kind of thought, well, maybe I could do a bit of that yeah. in my little space or whatever. But they have some great ideas. And Bloom is, um, Bloom is great as, for And the same well. thing, really. I mean, yeah. I, I, I know obviously Chelsea is going on for uh, such a very 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 long time but Bloom really has made its own mark in terms of Irish gardens and isn't that just a wonderful and thing? And Irish plants as well and, and all the plants in Bloom are Irish grown that's kind of one of the requirements from all the designers that they include Irish grown plants from Irish nurseries that would grow in Irish soil conditions so you know when you go to Bloom and you see something attractive there you know that it should grow mm. in your own garden so, so Bloom kicks off anyway from Thursday uh, the 29th through to the bank holiday Remember. Monday, inclusive of mm. those five days, and it's well worth a visit. And it's also great for it's great foodie event as well. Because it is, yeah. Borbia put on a fantastic display. I mean, the the food is just as good as the gardens, believe it or not. Yeah, it's it's a great day out. I, I was at the very first bloom. Um, That's eight years ago. It is. So I know. I was actually just doing the maths in my head when I was like, how many years ago is that? Um, and it w- it was a fantastic event, and it really made its mark. And obviously, yes. they've built on that ever since. So tune into Tommy's program on Monday and Monday, Tuesday we're for those away tickets. Some tickets, and then Wednesday morning, I'm, I'm going to do a live link from from Bloom and tell you all about it. Great. Okay. Um, we've lots of questions in already, Porrick. So what we're going to do is we'll have a little break, uh, have a quick look to see what's there. Um, if you do have something that you want to throw us on the programme this morning, it's 87 41 If you want to text us in association with C&C Cellular, we're switching your broadband to Vodafone is easy. And Teresa is busy taking calls for us as well. 0818-3055. Now you're very welcome back to the programme. 18 minutes past nine. Okay, Porik, heaps of progr- questions in for you this morning. Uh, we're going to go to one on, that came in on an email, first of all, about a weeping willow. Uh, the branches of this particular tree appear to be growing straight up instead of downwards. They'll eventually, will they eventually fall off if, or should the listener cut them? 
Uh, the leaf on the upward branches appears to be different uh, when than on the weeping branches. And this happened last year. They attempted to tie them down, but it looks very untidy. Okay. So it sounds like it's up. It's like the whole thing is upside, it's upside down. down. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what. I don't right. know the answer okay. to that one. I'm afraid. Right. Quite simply, the, the 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 fact that the two leaves are different, the top, the, the weeping portion, and the upright branches. Mm. The listener says they're they're two different size leaves, and that tells you the the answer. What's happening is that the the uh, willows are always grafted, right? And and this particular variety sounds like the small weeping willow, which only grows to about five or six feet, mm. but it's grafted about four or five feet up in the air. So the main stem, if you get branches coming off that, they're the rootstock kicking into growth and they grow vertically and te- the, the leaf tends to be larger and rounder. And where you see that on weeping will- willows, the rootstock is kicking into growth. You need to prune those off. So go take the main stem, any branches that are coming from ground level up to where it's grafted, to the portion that's beginning to weep, you need to prune off. So it needs to have a nice clean stem. So go out today with the secateurs, cut off any side branches on the main stem of the tree and that'll take away all those upright growth And um, it because all the energy is going into that now. And if it's left, you'll end up with exactly an upside down tree. You'll have bits of upright growth, you'll have some weeping parts and, and in time the rootstock will actually take over from right. the weeping portion okay. of the tree. So out today, cut off all the, the branches off the main stem, give it a good feed and it'll be hunky-dory. Now, should somebody trim an olaria hedge? It's two years old and some of it is getting very leggy. Yes, and, and it's the same applies to all hedges. I mentioned at the top of the programme that it's a great time to plant hedges. But even if you plant a hedge today, I would still recommend that you take the tops of the shoots off. And that's to encourage the plant to fill out and branch and you get a nice full plant. So the same with the olaria here. To even it off to an overall height. So after two years, I would expect it to be about three or four feet high. Mm. Take about a foot off that growth now, today. And when you trim the top off it, feed it as well. And the pruning causes the plant to produce lots of side shoots. It'll fill in the hedge. It'll stop this legginess occurring and you get a fuller, denser plant. So trim it all back by a, a foot, even it off to the one height. Give it a feed now of something like Osmo Pro 6. Feed it again maybe in the middle of June or you know late June while it's actively growing and you'll get yourself a nice, full, dense hedge. No. And O'Leary is fast growing, so I mean, you're it's not even taking a foot off. It sounds a lot, but it's it'll, not it'll really. replace it it'll in a couple of weeks. Great stuff. Um, a listener has planted some aubergines porridge in great. their small greenhouse. Lovely. And they're wondering what they need to do <clears throat> to grow them. Do they need fertilising and feeding or how do well, they Well, aubergines are the, are the eggplant. Mm. You know, they produce quite a large fruit. I mean, it's, it's you know, um, and generally on an aubergine, you will get four to five fruit forming between now and September. Mm-hmm. Um, really, all you need to do, it's a relatively small plant. It'll grow, I suppose, in height, about 18 inches, two feet, something similar in diameter. So it suits putting into a kind of a large pot. Um, when it comes into flower, the flowers set very quickly. And once you've got four or five aubergine fruit setting on the plant, that's the time to pinch out the very top of the shoot. So pinch the top out. Now, you won't do that until probably the end of June, the first week of July. So feed it now with a high potash feed, like a tomato feed or liquid one. Um, Keep it watered. At this time of year, you'd water maybe once a week. And then as we get into the the height of the summer, and particularly when it's beginning to fruit well, about every day you need to keep it watered. So feeding once a week, watering once a day from the middle of June onwards. And then once you get four or five aubergines setting, you'll see the little black fruitlet setting. Then you pinch the leader or the top of the uh, aubergine plant out. Just cut the centre of it out and leave it alone to grow on. And they'll produce perfectly good fruit by September, October. Great stuff. Um, now, a Charlestown listener is wondering about the best way to stop weeds in potatoes and to stop snails eating veg in a tunnel. 
Well, in the tunnel, I would use the organic treatments. So you can either use there's a, a good one made from by Neerdorf, which is a, it's a it's a pellet called Slug Go, which is totally organic. I think I talked about it before, mm-hmm. um, and that's very very safe to use where you've got vegetables, particularly in a tunnel environment. And it's very effective. Um, with the, the weeds and the potatoes, look, there isn't really anything you can spray on the ground. Uh, to prevent that's going to stop weeds particularly if if the potatoes have come through the the soil so if the new growth which it has at the moment anybody that's planted potatoes in March and April the the first five or six inches of growth have come through so really my advice is the next dry day get out the garden hoe and hoe back a lot of those weeds and within a couple of weeks particularly the feed potatoes now the canopy of foliage will tend to swamp a lot of the weeds anyway so kind of get control of them now um, and any small weeds that will occur over the next couple of weeks the potatoes will be well able to compete with that so really just tidy up the ridges hold them off and uh, any subsequent weeds then should be well catered by the, the cam- canopy of the foliage of the potatoes that will smother it out but there's no spray you can put on that's safely going to leave the potatoes alone right. and kill the weeds. There used to be a couple of years back but that unfortunately is gone. Gone. Okay. Uh, now, here's an interesting one. Uh, a listener has been given an olive plant oh, as really? a present. So they're wondering how do they go about looking after it? Well, olives olives are a Mediterranean plant. Indeed. And uh, they're actually related to the Oleria, you know, the hedge. I the wondered about that actually but... I, yeah. yeah <laughs> I, well, you know, olive Oleria. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I said, oh, I wonder is They that? are in the same family. They're okay. in the Oleria. Ole- an ACF family, if memory serves me right. But anyway, they, so olive trees, well, first of all, because they come from Mediterranean... They need climate, heat, surely. They need heat. Yeah. And they, if, if, you get, if you've got a nice south-facing warm garden... I don't <laughs> which, which anyway, of us so, have? Yeah, but if you've got that perfect environment where you've got plenty of sunshine, maybe up against a wall, maybe in a kind of a, a protected area in the garden, you right. might just, the house might create a, a sun trap. If you've got that type of environment, then the olive will grow out of doors fine. The problem is in the wintertime, if we get below minus 10 degrees, which we do get, mm. we often get minus 15, and you're, we all remember the minus we 20s. We surely do. And olives will not tolerate temperatures below minus 10. So the easiest thing to do is to plant it up maybe in a nice terracotta pot, put it out for the summer period, and then in autumn, maybe by September, early October, bring it back indoors into a porch, conservatory, greenhouse, tunnel even will give it enough protection. So in an, if you've got the perfect environment with a south-facing wall where it stays warm, then you can try the olive all year round out of doors. If you haven't got that environment, then for the winter months, grow it as a container plant. It's an evergreen plant, lovely silver foliage, so it retains the leaves through the winter, makes a nice sized tree. You know, it's it's relatively slow growing. Mm. So even in a pot, it's going to take years to, to make any kind of reasonable size. Um, and I would then take it in the wintertime and put it into the greenhouse or put it into the conservatory. So it's always one of those kind of novelty type plants. So you take risk by leaving it out of doors, I suppose is what I'm saying. It also likes, because it's a Mediterranean plant, it leads a very free draining soil. Right. So plenty of gravel when you're if you're putting it into a pot, get a John Ennis based compost, which is a soil based compost, and add some grit or sand or gravel through that to make it very uh, gritty, and then plant the oleri into that. So really good drainage is what it requires. Perfect in a pot. Remember that it's perfectly happy out of doors from now until September October, and then possibly bring it indoors for the winter. And does it produce actual fruit? The the the, the trick with with olives is they need two months of cool temperatures before they initiate their flower buds. So they actually need a chill effect out of doors. So in a conservatory, in a greenhouse, they've rarely fruit because they're, it's too warm. They have permanent heat. So yeah, so it, it's nearly, 
it's you know it's a bit it's a bit awkward in an it? Irish climate, it isn't is. it? Yeah, so yeah. it it so out of doors, yes, they do fruit. But the trick is you need to put, be able to put, keep them out of doors where the frost isn't going, the heavy frost right. is going to get them in the okay. winter. Now, having them in a pot and having them in very free-draining soil helps with the frost as well because frost is more damaging on plants if they're very wet and they're in heavy soil and they're full of water and you get a frost, then, of course, you get everything, extreme everything damage. Gets, yeah. yeah. So I would grow it in a pot, uh, plant, put it out of doors in a sunny location at the moment, take it in for the winter then and put it back out the following spring. Okay. And it is a very, very slow growing plant. So, so don't it's easy manage, but okay. don't expect it to be. Okay, that's, you know, it sounds like an, inter- an interesting, it's interesting project. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, a listener would like to know if they can still sow seeds for nasturtiums and English marigolds out of doors. They want some flower colour for later in the summer and autumn. And would you have any other suggestions yeah, for well, anything it's, else? It's actually a great idea for if you want colour, say, in. I think we had a question last week about a wedding for we did, September. For July. Oh, September, was it, September it was, I beg was your pardon, it? yes. And so if you want colour, say, for autumn, by delays, by delay, delaying the sowing of plants, you reap the benefits then in the autumn. So by sowing the nasturtiums now, they're going to come into growth and won't flower until August, September, October. So if you wanted that kind of late summer, autumn colour, then sowing of seeds at this time of year, I and mean, nasturtiums would be great, because, but they do remember that they do spread quite a lot, mm. or they're ideal for climbing, for giving a background of colour, um, and do very well in poorish soils. So if you had a slope or a bank, they're ideal for areas like that. Or I mentioned a couple of weeks back about doing your hanging baskets and putting nasturtium seed, the dwarf varieties, in around the rim of the pot at this time of year, just for an added bit of colour in the summer. So to answer your question, yes, it's a good time to sow the seeds, they'll germinate in a two to three week period and they come into growth then for the summer period and flower from August, September onwards. You could also sow the English marigolds, calendulas, directly out of doors. Um, Plants like larkspur, which is a nice tall plant about 18 inches high some nice red and, and blue varieties of that corn flower could be sown at this time of year um, poached egg plants so there are quite a lot of the hardy annuals that you can sow directly out of doors from seed at this time of year they'll germinate in a two to three week period and come into flower then in the autumn sort of period um, and flower then well into winter onto the hard frost Godicia is a lovely plant Godicia there's a lovely uh, variety called Rembrandt Oh. It's named after the painter, painter because the colours right. are pinks and creams and whites uh, and a very easy plant to grow, grow. And a plant that, again, kind of, it's a real old-fashioned plant, old cottage garden plant, but kind of went out of favour, I suppose, yeah. the petunias and the begonias, more flashy plants mm-hmm. took over. But there is a plant that you could sow directly from seed, a plant called Godicia, Rembrandt. Sow it from seed now. It'll, it'll grow about a foot, maybe 15 inches in height. Uh-huh. Uh, come into flower if you sow the seed now by certainly July and continue to flower then well into September, October. And a really nice plant and easy to grow. So, yeah, give, give the, to answer the question, it's not too late yes. to sow the seed. And uh, so and draw, sow them directly out into the garden soil. Okay, moths still causing a problem for people in Porrick. Um, can, we, can we recap on how you deal with moths on slates on a house, please? Well, the uh, the easy thing to do is to either use the... Um, there's a, a product called Patio Magic that can be used, which is suitable for all hard surface area, or there's one called Easy Clean. Either of those products, you mix them up in water, you spray them onto the slates or tiles or walls, wherever the moss is growing, and that will kill it off within six or seven days. Fantastic. Now, Anne would like to know, what do you use to feed lupins and hydrangeas and rhododendrons? Well, all they're all... Um, 
flowering plants, yes. so a high potash feed. So a sudden impact w- could be applied this time of year. Um, high potash, it'll, it'll help them to come into flowers. Lupins are actually just starting now. They're going to be lovely this year. Lots and lots of colour on them. So Actually, and you know what? On. Sorry now, and I'm, I'm cutting across you. Uh, the lupin you brought in a couple of weeks back. Yes, two weeks um, ago. I, on Monday night when I was watching Chelsea, there, were, uh, g- there was a garden with loads of lupins and they were very similar to that. The West yeah. Coast series. And I think I had said to you, oh, I think they look like Chelsea type flowers. <laughs> So there I said, oh, I must tell Boric about that. Anyway, sorry, I'm going to go across you. They're the West Coast series and they're a lovely variety of lupin because they only grow to about two feet, two and a half feet in height. They don't get tall and gangly. They're actually a well-behaved plant and yet they produce a very tall spike of flower, which is really good. So look for those and it's a good time to plant them. But in terms of feeding flowering Mm. plants, um, certainly the sudden impact is very good. The other thing you should be doing at this time of year while I think of it is plants like rhododendrons, azaleas, uh, forest flame, all those spring flowering plants that are going to go out of flower now as we come into June, mm-hmm. they should be fed during the summer period. So camellias, for example, that flowered beautifully this year in February and March, they've gone out of flower and now is the time to feed any plant that has flowered in the springtime because you're building it up for next year. So if you want lots of colour on your camellia, your rhododendron, your azaleas, uh, your forsythii, any of the spring flowering plants, feed them now and feed them through the growing season. And there is a specific feed for those, uh, for rhododendrons and camellias. It's an ericaceous feed. Again, it's available in your local garden centre. Put it on now, feed them again maybe in two or three weeks' time. Keep feeding them now over the next couple of weeks to build them up for next year. And that's where you get loads of colour next February, March, April, May. Fantastic. Now, um, obviously, weeds really are featuring today again mm. on the programme. A weed killer and grass killer for, for flower and shrub beds. And Tommy would also like to know, can you give him some ideas for bedding schemes? Well, it's a, first of all, it's a great time. For, um, and all the bedding plants are available now. So all your marigolds and begonias and petunias and all the popular bedding plants, they're available for going in now. The lobelias, the alisums. It's a good time to start planting. I did mention a couple of weeks back that if you haven't planted the beds, mm-hmm. here's a little tip for you. Get the bed ready. Get your flower bed ready. Till up the soil. Put in some compost, fresh compost, and prepare the bed ready for planting so you don't need to disturb it. Don't plant any plants in it for two weeks and let the weeds show themselves. So try to get the first flush of weeds to come through. Give it a, a treatment then of something like the Weed Free 360 or Resolve. And they're safe to use as long as there, as there are no plants in the bed. Right. So prepare the bed, put in the compost, have the soil ready for planting leave it for two or three weeks, allow the weeds to show themselves and then treat it with the Weed Free 360 or Resolver or hold the, way, the weeds off lightly. And, and you'll always get, the, in the first flush of growth and the fl- first flush of weeds, you'll always get 60 or 70%, seeds, 70% of the seeds to show themselves mm. in the first go. So by eliminating those, you've got control on most of the weeds that are going to come for the summer. Oh. And then once the weeds have died, you plant up the bed. And that's a method that's often used for vegetables and for flowering plants just to get a head start to the weeds. Because unfortunately, if you've got the beds planted, there's nothing that you can safely put on that's going to kill the weeds and not damage the flowers. Mm. So, and the, the trouble at the moment is in the last two or three weeks with all the rainfall, weeds like chickweed, bishopweed, um, clickweed, all of those kind of fast-growing weeds have actually grown very vigorously yeah. and they're actually choking a lot of plants at the moment. And there's nothing that I can say to you. You can mix up and... There's no, magi- right. There's no magic yeah. bullet here. So if you've got weeds in your flower beds at the moment, really the only thing is to go out with the garden hoe on the next dry day and weed the beds and to clean them off. Or else if you're thinking about planting a summer scheme, say in June, well then get the bed ready now, let the weeds show themselves and eliminate those before you plant and you'll help to get a head start on any of the... Um, 
on any of the weeds that are going to come later on. So that's a little tip for you. But in terms of bedding plants, you know, the June weekend is always the time kind of really good time to start putting them in. So double begonias, for example, which are one of my favourites, because they flower irrespective of the wet or the dry weather. They'll flower reliably right up to November uh, and they can be planted any time from now on. Excellent. Um, Mare's tail. Mare's tail seems to have <coughs> jumped out of the ground <laughs> in the last week or so, yes, uh, as you had uh, just mentioned there. What, are w- what do we use to kill it? It's going on a gravel pathway. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's easy enough to treat it and it, it is one of these plants that responds to kind of cool, wet conditions and it really has jumped out of the ground. It's about a foot high at the moment. Now is the time to treat it. There is a specific treatment, again, made by Neerdorf. It's um, Neerdorf Concentrated Weed Killer. It's specifically useful for mare's tail. You'll actually see the picture of the mare's tail on it, apply it in dry weather, it'll kill the mare's tail in about uh, seven, eight days, and particularly suitable for a gravel driveway or pathway or anywhere like that. Okay. And you may need to repeat it because mare's tail is difficult to, to eradicate. Now, a listener is wondering, is there any hedging plant that flowers, they're looking for a hedge to grow about six to eight feet, but something with a flower would be appreciated? Well, remember, a lot of of uh, a lot of hedging plants actually flower, even your laurel. It actually, produce... Yeah, and this year they really produced flowers. Yeah, I was are. wondering, was there a particular reason this year? Well, everything, everything in all spring, remember that, that the laurel is in the same family as the cherries, as, yes. as it's a prunus. It was, yeah, it was really uh, big white, you know. Big candle-like flowers. Yeah, yeah and, but yeah. They, and they, they nearly every plant seemed to have them. Yeah, well this this spring has been just fantastic for flower, for spring flowering plants, so your laurel is no different, it likes to flower as well. Yeah, well I'm just happy so, it's growing. Yeah, so, yeah. well, so so, there's, so you know, you've got fuchsia which gives it lovely colour, um, lovely flower colour um, laurel will flower but generally when it's trimmed as a hedge you don't get a whole lot of flower. Mm. Rosa rugosa would be a nice plant to consider as a, as a flowering hedge um, that's coming into flower at the moment, very good for in seaside areas really tough, easy to grow a hedge um, and makes that lovely kind of cottage garden effect. Or indeed you could plant up a mixture of plants. Things like the Rose Rugosa I mentioned, flowering red currant, forsythii. Um, any of those plants that flower kind of spring and early summer will grow very well as a hedgerow and they can be trimmed and pruned and allowed to flower as well. Mm-hmm. So there's lots of plants that can be used and a really good time for putting in hedging plants in the garden. Excellent. Now, a listener got the Cape Mallow shrub two weeks ago and okay. it's flowering well. Yeah. They're wondering, can they take a cutting from it as mm. the na- our neighbour loves it or his neighbour loves right. it? Well, the Cape Mallow, I, I actually brought it into studio about probably three weeks ago. It's it, it's in the, the um, Mallow family. It's got really small flowers, but hundreds of flowers oh, yes. on the plant yeah. and a very neat little plant to grow and flowers the whole summer long. It propagates easily from cutting so take uh, maybe four or five inch cutting mm. about the, the thickness of a pencil strip off the leaves take off any flowers that are on it dip it into a bit of rooting powder and put it into a pot of a nice gritty compost mixed covered with a polythene bag and stick it on a windowsill and within two or three weeks that little cutting will have rooted and should come into flower this year by planting it out of doors you probably get some colour and we're coming into that time of year of, in June when you can take cuttings of quite a lot of plants things like geraniums hydrangeas spireas, anything that is kind of put on a good flush of growth. Mm. Take short, small cuttings, strip off the leaves, take off any flowers, a little bit of rooting powder, say in a, in a six or eight inch pot, put in maybe a dozen cuttings, cover them with a polythene bag and sit them on a windowsill indoors. And you'd be surprised two to three weeks, they'll actually root and start, start off again. Yeah, particularly the easier to grow plants like hydrangeas, like spireas, bodleia, um, brooms, those sort of plants that are easy to grow anyway right. tend to root very readily from cuttings. 
Great. We're going to take a quick break, Porek. Uh, we still have lots and lots of questions to come, so stay with us. You're very welcome back to the gardening programme here on Midwest Radio on this Saturday morning. And Porik Horkin is in studio with us. Porik, I got a text yesterday evening yeah. uh, and uh, a listener in the Roscommon area. So, Betty, good morning to you. Okay. Um, Betty was listening a couple of weeks ago and you were talking about the plants that are good to deter the flies. Flies. So... I couldn't quite remember if I had all the information. I thought it might be the lemon-scented geranium, but there is another one, isn't there? There is. And yeah. I had to but the lemon-scented geranium is right. I was on the on on um, TV three on mm. Wednesday, and a question came in, exact same thing, but they put down midges. <laughs> you wouldn't want right. midges in the house now. No, but anyway, uh, so what do you use? Yeah, the lemon scented geranium is great. Anything with a citrus sa- smell, a lemon s- scent is 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 really good. So lemon scented geranium w- works really well, um, and you can put it on a you know inside the windowsill, and, and the scent of it keeps the the flies away. And the other plant I mentioned before was mint eau de cologne, which has a very it's a it's a variety of mint, but it's got particularly it's particularly good for deterring flies. And it's one that you can actually mix. You can crush the leaves and make up a solution uh, as a spray. And if you have, you know, you can spray it onto plants, you can spray it onto onto windowsill area. And the scent has a fantastic, it's a lovely scent to us. It's got that mm. lovely minty smell, as the name suggests, eau de cologne. But of course, the flies dislike it. Right. So there's two that you could try. So mint eau de cologne or the... Uh, lemon scented lemon geranium. Lemon scented geranium. Excellent. Yeah. Now, li- listener has sown sweet corn seeds indoor in Great. March. Lovely. Plants are about eight inches high. Perfect. When do we plant them out? And are there is there any special fertilizer required? And would you have any other tips, please? Okay. Well, <laughs> they're worth growing. They're more a yeah. novelty item than anything else because on a sweet corn in Ireland, you'd probably get one and maybe two cobs to, to form. But they, w- they will produce um, sweet corn that is edible. Um, now, the plants themselves, they're frost sensitive. So you put them out after the risk of frost has passed and we're coming up to that time. It's still a bit chilly at the moment. So I would keep them indoors for maybe another week. Let's see what next weekend brings. But then plant them out, plant them out of doors and plant them in a block formation. Um, so what I mean by that is you plant the plants roughly about two feet apart and plant them in a kind of a square shape because sweet corn is wind pollinated. So insects don't get involved. Mm-hmm. It's the wind that carries the pollen from one to the other. So you need them kind of together so that when the wind blows, the pollen from one is falling on the flowers of another. And the plants themselves will grow about six feet in height. Um, you want a reasonably sheltered spot for them, sunny, sheltered spot. Put down a bit of seamongous fertiliser before planting and just literally plant them in a square shape, two feet apart. And you should get the cobs forming August, September. You'll know what the, when they're ripe. <clears throat> if you push the cob together, you'll get a kind of a milky oh, coloration. Yeah. Coming They'll be soft and, and that's the indication that they're ready to pick. Okay. Excellent. So well worth growing, yeah, something yeah. different. And they are delicious. I know you won't get a massive crop. But no, you won't, but that's you yeah. cannot beat taking them from the plant and, and putting them into the hot water. And actually, now that I remember, um, there was a greenhouse, glass house in our house going back many moons ago. And I remember one year, actually, my mother sowed sweet corn. There you go. Uh, corn on the cob. And yeah. it grew really well. Oh, yeah. Well, in the greenhouse, sure, it's, it's absolutely yeah. perfect. Now, in a greenhouse situation, you need to let the, 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 the wind in or you need to tap the plants to get the pollen to spread yeah. from one to the other. But, um, yeah, well work growing. Now, in a greenhouse, they tend to take up a lot of space. They so, were a bit, yeah. yeah. No, I don't think there was too much else in the greenhouse. It wasn't a big yeah. one. But, um, again, it was, I suppose, the novelty, the novelty. of growing exactly. something different. Exactly. So it's well worth, well worth mm. a go.
Okay, a listener has a piece of soil that they'd like to grow some vegetables for winter use and they're wondering what seeds can they plant now for winter veg? Can they use green manure to feed the soil? Yeah, well, if they're if they're if they're not planting uh, the green manure, first of all, what yes. is that? Well, if you've got a, a, a spare piece of ground, say mm-hmm. that you're not ready to start planting vegetables just yet, green manure like phacelia, and there's lots of different varieties. You is is a crop that you can grow. You sow it onto the soil. You let it grow to maybe six or eight inches in height, and then you dig it into the soil, Sorry. and it a- adds that green. The, the nutrition level is very very high in the plant itself. So you dig it back into the soil before planting a crop. So it's often sown in the autumn to grow over the winter, dug in in the spring and then you put in your, your, your vegetable plants. Or if you have a piece of ground that you just don't want to plant anything at the moment, then you could s- sow some green in your seed yes. and dig it in in the autumn period. Right. So that's perfectly fine. If Sowing seeds now for autumn and winter use, what would I use? Things like purple sprouting broccoli, this is the time to, to sow the seed for harvesting and then any time from September through till March, April of the following year. White Lisbon, there's a hardy variety literally called White Lisbon Hardy Variety and that gives you a lovely onion right through the the winter spring period. Swiss chard, chard could be planted this time of year, spinach, sprouts and there's a very good one called Trafalgar Trafalgar after Trafalgar Square. Right. And that uh, produces its its, uh, button-shaped sprouts from Christmas right through to April of the following year and that can be sown now. Savoy cabbage, cauliflower, all year round lettuce, any of those can be sown. So we're actually into a Again, I think I mentioned this last week that we tend to forget that this is the time of year to actually sow mm. seed because it's so easy. The temperatures are perfect. You sow a seed in the ground. Unless we get into disaster altogether, they're going to grow. And uh, so it's a really good time for putting in uh, vegetable seed for autumn winter use. And you have right over the next six or seven weeks to sow all of those seeds I mentioned. Actually, do you know, Park, yesterday I was when I was going to do my civic duty, um, which was in the Abbey Boys National School in Roscommon, right. I noticed they had a school garden. Very good, And yeah. uh, now it's not huge, but it was obviously very well tended. And all, they had half of it was potatoes. It was kind of circular. And half of it were potatoes, all lovely looking stalks up. And they had peas and onions. Fantastic. And I think they had something else in there as well. And everything was growing. It looked fant- really, really good. And when, when the kids come back mm. in the autumn the potatoes will be ready for digging and yeah. ready for harvesting yeah and and if a school now wanted to do some winter veg do you think that is that a possibility oh, yeah. or I, would it need a lot of care over well, the summer well the only thing time? is they're going to be off they're going to be yeah. gone for so unless you've got somebody kind of uh, nipping in over the next two week, two months okay. then, then they, they need a dedicated person so yeah yeah okay, but it's amazing what you can grow in vegetables in a relatively small area yeah, this was actually, this was like a big wheel type right. uh, structure yeah. or it was made out of a bit of cement or whatever and it was divided up. And like it had, yeah, I'd say it was something else originally and yeah. it obviously has been yeah. kind of uh, commandeered for this purpose. But it was really well done, nice and compact, if you like. Neat, yeah, easy neat, to care for. But probably. I'll tell you, it was full of vegetables. Oh yeah, and, yeah. and in a relatively small area, even in a raised bed, you'd be surprised how you don't need a lot of space and you're better off with not, with, with not having a lot of space mm. because you end up dumping too much of, you know, there's only so much you're going to consume. So you can grow a wide variety of vegetables in a relatively small area, in containers, in raised beds, you know, was, yeah, no, I, I was, well I was very go. impressed now. I said, well done to everybody concerned there. Okay, um, the miracle Grow flowers or the easy flowers. Uh, yes. Somebody um, has sown them. They're not that successful for them. Okay, no, no <laughs> magic, no miracle magic. No, they said they can't see How anything wrong. Well, I have to say now, and we all know that I am not green-fingered in any capacity whatsoever. Mine are coming up grand. I put them into five pots. 
Right. And uh, the full bag uh, between five pots, yeah. No, 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 actually, not the full bag. No, no. Uh, we maximised the value of the bag in our house. <laughs> I put five pots, I'd say. Maybe I used half the bag. I then gave it to my mother who put it into the ground in a few spots and they're all coming up. Good, yeah, good. What sort I, of height are they at the moment? They're only now, we wouldn't have done it at the very beginning. We kind of had to do it a few, a few weeks afterwards because we were busy. Um, but they're, they're two or three inches. So they're two or three inches oh, at yeah. the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no. Um, and you'd be surprised in, in the next two weeks they'll double their height and come into flower probably. Yeah. Towards the middle, late June, they'll start look, to flower. I'm looking forward to it because yeah. my next neighbours have flowers. The mix of colour. Yeah, look at the, the the magic flowers or the easy flowers are are a mixture of compost, fertilizer, and seed. Yeah, um, yeah well, give, them, give, give them maybe another week and see what happens. Would there be should, any reason why they're not growing? Not no really. I mean, they they should germinate. I mean, you know, the, the key thing with them is when the seed do germinate, you have to keep an eye on the slugs and snails because they'll attack them straight away. But once they get going, once they're kind of inch high, inch and a half high, and they get get off mm. as yours have, they tend to be very successful because the, the selection of seed that's used in the mixes are, are generally very easy to grow. They're hardy annuals. They'll tolerate a bit of cool conditions. They're, you know, they're not finickety. They, they yeah. pick hardy, easy to grow seed that should germinate out of doors. So, you know, give it another week. Let's see what happens. Uh, but you do need to keep an eye, obviously, on uh, that, that they're not damaged as seedlings as they come through the soil. Yeah. Because so, yeah. they will be preyed on. Okay, because you know, like I, like I, I, yeah, I, I did put down, uh, uh, I took preventative measures on that front, right. let's say. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're but, heeding the uh, advice. I am, yeah, 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 because I know I have lots of snails in and my And I garden. was saying that at the beginning of the year, yeah. that it has. it is a year for, uh, you know, when you get these cool, moist conditions, you get lots of slug yeah. activity. It's and slug particularly weather. it's at night time. And it, they can be very yeah. damaging on small well, they're plants. They're not getting my easy flowers, and it's as simple as that. <laughs> the slaughter the war, in Roscommon. The war is, is on. Yeah, the war is on. Um, daffodils, Porrick. Um, yes. Can we cut down daffodils now? Do we dig out the bulbs? Well, if you want to move them, if you want to, to if they're in the way type of thing, and you want to move them, this, this is the time of year actually for digging up all spring flowering bulbs. Mm-hmm. That's only if you want to move them to a new location, or if, for example, if you had old clumps and you want to divide them and propagate them and maybe plant some of the bulbs somewhere else this is the time of year to dig up daffodils and transplant them and indeed it's a great time for if you have snowdrops for example or crocuses any of the spring flowering bulbs this is the time of year to dig them split them and move them somewhere else and so the answer is yes uh, you can certainly start trimming the, the foliage back now. You can start lifting the bulbs now and transplanting them elsewhere. The other thing with daffodils is give them a couple of feeds as well. Like I mentioned with the rhododendron and the camellias, if you feed your daffodils now as they're dying back, you build them up for the following spring. So a couple of feeds of the miracle Grow or um, Liquid One or a tomato feed, any liquid feed mixed up in the watering can, poured on over the plants, let them absorb that and uh, that builds them up, swells up. The bulbs are beginning to swell up now at this right. time of year. Um, so they're, they're fattening out in preparation for, for next, next year. year. And they actually produce their flower embryo. If you cut a, a daftal bulb in the middle of July, get a sharp knife and cut it in two, mm-hmm. the flower bulb bud, the actual flower is embryo is already formed in the bulb wow. by midsummer. So oh, there you go. So it's, it stays dormant and well, then as it comes into spring then that flower comes forward. So if you build it up, if you feed it well in the next couple of weeks you're, you're helping to initiate that flower bud for the following spring. Very interesting. From daffodils to climbing roses. Yeah. Uh, a listener planted climbing roses last autumn. Great. They're growing great. Feed with sudden impact rose feed. They're wondering should they, they tie down the long shoots or tie them straight up, which would give more flowers? What do you think? 
I'd say, gosh, I'm mighty up because it's getting more sunlight. No, that'll be the wrong answer, don't you know? <laughs> it's not, it's not. There's never a wrong answer in this programme. Never, <laughs> oh, ever. There is. When it comes to gardening. The, the, the best way to get flower on them is to bend the shoots out. Okay. Spread the branches laterally. Because what happens if, if you tie the shoots in oh, vertically, yeah, right. all the growth goes to the top. Whereas if you, if you bend them out, you get lots of side shoots and on those side shoots, you get more flowers. So take the stems, bend them laterally, left and right, tie them in. So they're nearly horizontal on the wires. On the wire. They're actually bent out to that degree. And bec- at this time of year, they're very flexible. So it's very easy to do that. Mm. And by doing that, then you'll encourage lots of side shoots off the main stem and on each of those side shoots you get more flowers and that applies to all climbing plants if you've got clematis growing in the garden or you've got um, honeysuckle or any climbing plant spread the la- the branches laterally oh, if you can tie them in laterally and you get a lot more flower and you get a fuller plant as well it'll be more foliage at the base forest flame shrub was covered in pink shoots all through april and okay. may but they have turned a pale green color which they do uh, if damien in westport feeds it now Will it colour up again? Well, yeah, and, and what you're seeing now is they were beautiful there two, three weeks ago, vivid pink colour, and that's typically of, of uh, forest flame. It starts to go to a kind of a peachy colour at this time of year and, and it'll go to green. Now, what you can do to bring the colour back in, the colour comes in the new growth. So if you if you can trick the plant into producing some new growth, you get back to the nice peachy red or vivid red mm. colour. So what I would do is give it a light trimming back so right. go to little shears or secateurs, trim maybe six or seven inches off the plant, feed it with an ericaceous feed, or even the sudden impact would be fine. And you're encouraging the plant to produce a second flush of new growth. And on that, you get lovely Nothing. pink uh, shoots. Now, there is a, a really good variety of uh, people often plant the forest flame, but there's a lovely variety called Katsuru. It's a Japanese variety of, for, of, of forest okay. flame of Pieris. Yeah. And that produces its brilliant red foliage. And it's still fully red. It's still holding that re- really vivid red foliage colour and tends to hold the colour better than forest flame. So right. maybe consider planting one of those as well. So it's a plant called Pieris Ketsuru and it, it tends to hold the colour well into July, often into August. It holds a lovely vivid red colour. So that's one to look out for. But with your forest flame, certainly a light trimming back, feed it now and you get a second flush of that lovely pink um Growth. Growth, uh, yeah, the, the orange growth, that vivid, uh, vivid colour. Okay, probably the last uh, question is a laurel hedge sown about two years. It has some yellow leaves. What's wrong? Just a bit of feeding. That's all it needs. They're, they're, um, they're hungry this year, as many evergreen plants are. So just get yourself a bit of Osmo Pro 6. Absolutely. Apply it now and do it again in maybe... Uh, you know, another couple of weeks in about three or four weeks give it a second application it'll be perfectly fine it's also a good time of year I was actually looking at my own laurel hedge just maybe to tip it back at this time of year just a light pruning now um, tip it back and again give it a, a second feed and that'll bring the colour back into it it'll keep it nice and bushy and it, by, by t- trimming it now you also take a little bit of the vigour out of the, right. the hedge which is no harm Okay, particularly for mature hedges. Yeah, because they, they, they can they, they can take off really. Yeah, or like the water. listener had with the Illyria hedge, that applies to all hedges. If they're anyway gappy or le- leggy, then take the tops out of them now, and you'll fill and them in exactly. Out. Yeah. Um, that's pretty much it. Before we go, Park, uh, we want to mention Phil and Athuia yeah, on today. Well, um, remember, remember, I'll be in Phil and Athuia at from about twelve till five. I'll be on the uh, Westport B stand. Going to have some. Uh, plants with me that are bee friendly but more importantly come and talk to the beekeepers and I'm going to be in bloom then from Wednesday I'll be doing a live link here with Tommy and uh, doing a bit of recording with TV3 which will be broadcast on Friday morning Lovely and can people purchase tickets for They can go to bloom in the park 
is the website Bloom in the Park the tickets are available uh, you can there. purchase them online great. yeah absolutely okay listen have uh, a great week and we're back again next Saturday uh, stand by as Porix's uh, Phil and Athuya on and Michael Neary is live there after 10 o'clock from me for the moment a very good morning